morning and welcome to the Catholic Journey. This is Deacon Pat coming to you from South Sacramento and in California today. I'm staring out the studio window and I see rain falling. The window is kind of fogged up. The sky is gray and it's not uh, not the most pleasant of days, but it is Palm Sunday. And in the Christian Catholic world, this is a very special day. Um, for you that uh, are familiar with the scriptures and the gospel, you know that uh, today is the day where Jesus comes riding in and uh, people are praising him and waving the palms and, and uh, really just uh, rejoicing in him as their Savior and Messiah, and only to be turned on in the next week or so. <laughs> so in the Catholic Church, Palm Sunday is where we uh, have the uh, the Passion, where the Passion is uh, is proclaimed. And um, in many parishes, they use um, kind of uh, multiple people to play different parts, and the parishioners uh, participate as well. So you have um, a narrator, you have some people that's the crowd, you have people that uh, are playing the part of uh, Christ, and it's usually a very, very beautiful thing. Um, because of the um, in-sheltering and uh, <clears throat> the restriction from having public masses, our parish today um, did a, a, a virtual mass. We had Father who was alone in our uh, church today, and he was being recorded. We have some really talented people. Um, Steve is one of them that uh, was coordinating um, kind of a virtual mass with multiple people in their homes, all interconnected and um, through Zoom. And uh, and uh, it was it was it was done very very well um, when when. Different people participated, if it was the cantor or if it was uh, one of the lectors, um, their face would pop up on the screen and you would hear them and then they would pop back off and someone else would pop on. And it very went very well, um, with one exception, although I think to anybody watching it, it was covered up quite well and I don't know that anyone ever noticed, but I was supposed to be the uh, voice of Christ today. And uh, we did some sound checks, we did video checks um, before the start of Mass, everything was perfect. Um, we started Mass off in the usual way, um, had the first reading, their sponsorial psalm, we had the second reading, and then when it got to really the Passion and, and uh, the Gospel Passion, uh, I was supposed to be playing the part of Christ, and just about five seconds before I was supposed to start, my internet crashed. <laughs> Thanks be to God. Uh, we have very smart and talented people that had a backup contingency plan. And I think it went very smooth and nobody on the receiving end probably noticed any difference. But isn't that funny how things happen? Um, I, I often think about uh, kind of the spiritual world. And I'm sure the devil is kind of rejoicing in the shutting down of masses and parishes and services. And he would just love to... Uh, to uh, finagle some kind of um, problems with uh, technology if we're trying to do it virtually as well. Um, I did notice though today, since I was at home, the last time we did this virtual Mass was last week, and I was actually there at the parish and I was able to participate in the Mass and receive Holy Communion. Today, since I did it from home, 
um, I wasn't able to participate in uh, Holy Communion. Um, we did a spiritual communion, and it's very prayerful, and that's been around for years and years and years. Um, and um, and it's a way to kind of uh, mentally, physically, and spiritually uh, unite yourself with Christ, with your um, just your ardent desire to receive Him and want Him um, internally with you within you, as we do with Holy Communion in the Catholic Church. And um, and so we do our very best. And and but, it, but honestly, it is not a substitute. <laughs> <laughs> to actually receiving him. But you know, God is so powerful and, and merciful and and uh, loving and charitable with his mercy. Um, he can act in ways that we cannot understand. So I think as long as our desire is there to be united with him um, and we do our very best um, to follow his way, um, he will give us the grace that we need in our life. Well, Gosh, how are all you guys doing? Um, this whole thing about uh, in sheltering and only essential workers are out doing work. Many are out of work and the stress of many people not earning an income and the unknown. And and um, I wonder how, how is it affecting you? Um, I feel very blessed in the sense that uh, I guess I'm considered an essential worker. And so my work has not stopped. I, I work in a hospital and... Um, and uh, actually the exact opposite in the sense of it's not stopping or slowing down or being restricted. Our work at the hospital is, uh, is just outrageously busy. I think we've been working, or at least I, I and most of the team, we've been working uh, seven days a week for the last few weeks um, just because there's uh, so much to do and so much planning and contingency plans and and uh, trying to get the supplies and doing education and re-education, trying to keep the staff safe, the patients safe, um, the guidance uh, that's coming out regarding this COVID-19 virus seems like it changes. Um, I don't mean changes in, in, in conflicting uh, guidance, but in, 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 as we get to know the virus a little bit more, I think we have a more, we're getting more and more in-depth knowledge of you know how it spread how to contain it the life cycle of the the illness as well and so that translates into you know more precise guidance and so every time there's even a minute little change it has to be uh spread you know throughout the hospital someone once told me years ago and i believe this to be true is that when you deal with a hospital now I'm the nursing director of our psychiatric hospital, and there's you know hundreds of employees, and um, they they gave kind of the analogy of of when you think of all that staff and all those patients that are all kind of working uh, uh, um, together for a common purpose, it's kind of like a cruise ship, and if you ever think about <clears throat> wanting to uh, needing to drastically turn or change course of a cruise ship. It's not something that you can do. You can't turn it on a dime. You have to just slowly start pointing it in the direction you want to go. And eventually you'll get to the turn that you want. That's what it's kind of like when you manage a, a hospital or, or a great deal of uh, employees. Is It's like this big cruise ship. So you can imagine uh, the difficulty with when you have rapidly changing directives and guidance um, that you need to, you know, disperse out to everybody. Um, it takes a long time to do that. 
theoretically, you think it would be really easy in the sense that everybody's got email, so can't you just send memos and directives by email? But the reality is, is people are so busy, they don't even check their email. (laughs) So you can think that you've done all this great planning and communication, and you're still missing, you know, 75% of the people. But um, please pray for all those people out there that are the frontline workers, uh, the EMTs, um, the uh, emergency room uh, workers, uh, the med surge workers, ICU workers. Please pray for my, for my staff at my hospital, all the psychiatric nurses, the psychiatric techs, the ancillary people. Um, it takes a lot of people and a lot of hands to uh, to run an organization like a psychiatric hospital. And um, please pray that uh, the people that are working can uh, stay healthy and that uh, that they feel that your your prayers and they feel loved and they feel cared for and and you know they they go to work every day um, fearful that they're going to contract this illness and then take it home to their family. You know, most of the nurses and healthcare workers have such a strong heart and a desire to serve and they have sincere compassion for people. And I think they would willingly, you know, put themselves in harm's way if they thought it would could help another person. But the fear that comes into place is that they have spouses and that they have children. They have uh, grandparents, or they have parents and grandparents. And and um, the fear is, is that they go to work and then they uh, are going to bring it home, the illness and and uh, and affect other people. And, you know, it's very scary for the elderly. It appears that, you know, this virus isn't um, ex- extremely fervent for the young and the healthy, but it's, uh, it's a novel virus, so it's new. Uh, we don't know everything about it. We're learning more and more about it. But we are, what we are seeing is that it, uh, it is, it is uh, very strong in the sense of how it's affecting many of the elderly or the people with comorbidity problems like um, you know, diabetes or congestive heart failure or respiratory things like COPD or asthma or emphysema. Um, it seems to be um, significantly affecting m- many of those people. So let's really pray for them and to keep them healthy and think about what you're doing in your life. If you're at home, um, you know, please continue to, you know, try to wipe down your counters and wash your hands. And But your exposure is fairly limited, except if you go out for the store. When you go to the store, you know, there's many people that are coming from all different areas and they're bringing their germs. And remember, it's not just uh, if they're coughing on you or close to you, it's they're coughing on surfaces as well. And you can uh, pick up uh, things uh, off of surfaces. And then um, have you ever noticed now that we're not... We're being directed not to uh, touch your face. How often that we touch our face? <laughs> now, the idea behind that is, is, is the you know the germs <clears throat> can be the virus can be spread through droplets, and it can uh, when someone coughs, it can land on a surface. We touch it with our hands, and then we have the tendency to touch our face, you know, our mouth, our nose, our eyes, and because the virus has to get inside our body. And and um, but uh, think about it. Think about how often. Try to be cognizant of it. How often you touch your face. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of studies out there that I think someone said, gosh, we've touched our face. I don't know if this is true, but they said like 20 times a, a minute. 
Um, that seems excessive, but um, but think, but be, be cognizant how how often that you kind of brush your face with your hand or itch or or do whatever you do. It's very it's very interesting. Um, on a positive note, um, I'm very happy to say I have a, a new book that came out. Uh, it's called Forgotten and Lost, and it's a novel that uh, that I've been working on for some time, and I actually finished it uh, quite a few months ago, um, but it. My daughter uh, finally had time to go through and and uh, correct a lot of the typos. You know, it's funny when you write something, you don't see your own mistakes. You could read it five, twenty times, and you don't see that mistake. You have to need someone else to read through it and uh, find those little typos and, and some of the things that just don't make sense. And so, I have an opportunity to fix that. Well, she was in sheltered for uh, a few weeks. Uh, she works in social work in the. Uh, Hollywood area and she was home and so she had some time to go through the book and and then once it's proofread didn't take long to get it published and it's out there now Uh, it's available on Amazon and it's called Forgotten and Lost and I had a lot of fun you writing this book and um, as you know with some of my other books if you had the opportunity to read any of them um, they're they're based on real life characters and, um, and then I use my imagination and I tweak stories. But a lot of times things that are in them are really based on, on people that I know and in real places and real, real circumstances. And then I change the name of the character. And then, I, again, I embellish a lot and use my imagination. And um, but, if, but if you are an acquaintance of mine from Idaho or um, Northern California, um, Redding, uh, Sacramento, um, Marysville, um, you'll probably recognize some of the people or characters might seem quite familiar to you in, in the novel. Um, so, uh, I hope you uh, have a chance to, um, to read it. Um, I love sharing, uh, these, uh, adventure novels with people and, um, and I, I, again, I hope that you enjoy it. So it is available on Amazon.com. It's usually picked up by Barnes and Noble as well. And it's called Forgotten and Lost. And um, and it's also if you go to DeaconPat.net, DeaconPat.net, like the Fisherman's Net, you'll see a link uh, to uh, where you can order the book as well. And um, so I think that's it on the book. Um, so again. I, I hope you have a nice uh, Palm Sunday today. You know, this is the beginning of Holy Week. So we probably need to start thinking about how are we going to make this a successful, holy and spiritual Holy Week now that our lives are kind of turned upside down and we have some limitations. Um, we have to acknowledge that we're not going to have the traditional services like we've had in the past. You know, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, the Easter Vigil, Easter Morning Mass as well. I know our parish is going to uh, virtually live stream those, but they're not going to be the same. You know, Mass is meant to be a communal uh, gathering and celebration. So I don't want to downplay the 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 creativity and really the necessity of having these virtual masses because we don't want to stop. We want to, you know, connect in the best way that we can, but they're not quite the same. So think about this Holy Week. What can you do this week to make it really a special week? Um, Some of the things that I thought about and maybe you might want to consider too is how are you spending your free time? Is it really in such a way that you're connected with uh, with God, trying 
to learn about him, trying to build on the intimacy of your relationship. Um, many of the parishes, although they're not open for public uh, services, um, they're still open for private prayer. And remember, in the Catholic Church, there's the tabernacle that's there. And inside the tabernacle holds the consecrated host, which is Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. And to be able to go into that church means you're going into the presence of Christ himself. So maybe that's something that you might want to consider. I know for us at St. Anthony's uh, in Sacramento, um, our church is open. Um, it's open for private prayer. And um, you can go right in there. I, I frequently go. There's um, usually nobody there or one or two people there at the most. And you know they have, they're probably spread out by at least... 40 yards. <laughs> so I think as, uh, as long as you wash your hands and uh, you're pretty safe and you can be in the presence of our Lord. So maybe that's something that you might want to think about if you um, are in sheltered um, and, uh, and you want to really work on your relationship with Christ. There's something about being in the presence of our Lord that uh, just does miraculous things for our, our, the goodness of our heart, our soul, and even our thoughts. And then think about maybe, are you doing any reading? I, get, I already gave you my plug for my, uh, my reading for my new novel, but, but, but any kind of reading. Are you doing anything that could be considered you know, uh, reading uh, for spiritual reasons? You might want to think about that. And how about, how about your designated prayer time? Do you have a designated prayer time? in the morning, in the afternoon, or at night? Um, and are you consistently um, setting aside some time for prayer? Are you praying a rosary? Are you praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet? Are you watching the Mass on TV? Are you listening to podcasts? Um, well, I guess you're listening to one if you're hearing me talk right now. <laughs> but there's some exceptional podcasts out there that I um, I, I, I love listening to. Um, one of my favorites is uh, Catholic Stuff You Should Know. And The Liturgy Guys is another. Those are two of my favorites. Um, the Journey Home. I, I actually enjoy the uh, Marcus Grodi and The Journey Home, especially at night when I'm trying to relax. Um, those different podcasts have different energies and different themes. Some there's no way you'd listen to if you're trying to calm down and get ready for bed because it's just a little bit too, you know, um, stimulating or loud or impulsive and and those are great during the day i think they help to motivate us and inspire us but um very kind of um i don't know calming and relaxing and reassuring is uh the one from marcus grodi the, the journey home i enjoy that one quite a lot and um so that might be something that you might want to consider is you know, having some podcasts uh, available to you to listen to to help uh, help you grow in your relationship and understand relationship with Christ and understanding with our Lord as well. Well, I think that's enough for today. Um, I just really want to check in with you. It's been quite some time since I did a podcast. Um, at least it feels that way, and and on my end, it's just because of life in the sense of uh, with this uh, COVID virus and in the hospital kind of consumed my life, but I realized I need to do things in my life as well that help me stay connected with Christ. And part of that is, you know, the writings that I do, the Christian writing, and also my podcast, because it helps me really focus 
um, concretely or succinctly in um, how I think about my relationship with God and how I think about my relationship with you, the, the community of people with a shared faith and, uh, and a shared goal to uh, spend our life together in heaven. Well, God bless you, and may God forever keep you. Mm-hmm.